Are the stars out tonight? I don't know if it's cloudy or bright, for I only have eyes for you, dear. I don't know if we're in... I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. I mean, it's not really a sexual journey. It's it's strange. I mean, not like, like, stinky pinky strange or, uh, I don't know, licking a shoe strange. Though, I never really understood the shoe licking thing anyway. And to be quite honest, the stinky pinky's not really that bad. And if you clean yourself relatively well, it's not really that stinky either. I mean, I'm not talking like, you know, deep enough to massage a prostate strange. I mean, that... That can be a little weird, especially if you ever find yourself in the, you know, it starts as a stinky pinky and then you ask for a little bit more because you want to see what it's like to have the prostate stimulated and, and then you kind of like it a little bit too much. And so you're, you're sort of grinding into the hand, the, the digit, and maybe it's just not enough. And so you're asking for maybe another digit and then you start to question, am I, should I be saying this? Should I be asking this of this person that's doing this to me? I mean, should I be doing something to them or are they going to be reflecting the next day on what I'm asking them to do, thinking that I'm somehow less of a human being or less of a man because I somehow am really kind of digging what this feels like? I mean, not strange like that because I don't know what that's like. Um, maybe just strange as in... <sighs> I, I, I don't know, maybe you, you're a kid and you have a teddy bear and you, you cut a hole in the teddy bear and because you're still in your prepubescent sexual phase, you're tr starting to fuck your teddy bear and it's it, it feels weird and it's like this weird like stuffing, you know, on the head of your, your junk. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird like that maybe. Well, you're not really harming anyone. You're just doing something that you would never ever say in the future. You would never admit to it if anyone ever brought it up. And then certainly you would never bring it up in the platform like, say, I don't know, a worldwide podcast where people would be hearing it. Maybe something weird like that. Maybe, okay, so that's, that's the type of strange journey I'm talking about. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our own world, and I'm your host, Adam Campbell. It's great to have you. This is March 29th, and I have a great show for you this week. We're going to end the show with Between the Horns, Episode 2, Nose Bubbles and Rado Echoes. This is actually a really fantastic second episode of Between the Horns, uh, brought to us by Warlock M.A. Mandrake. It's a fantastic piece that I know you guys are going to love. But before that, because this episode, you know, this is the fifth episode in March. Every once in a while, because the way the weeks are, you know, laid out, and I release and record and release these on a Sunday. Well, I record and edit them on a Sunday, and I release them on a Monday. Uh, we just end up sometimes with an extra, you know, we plan on four episodes a month. Sometimes we have a fifth. Uh, this one's going to be a little bit different. Uh, we are going to end with Between the Horns, but instead of having formal segments in between, I'm going to do a couple uh, takes here. So I'm going to stroll on over to uh, facebook.com forward slash 9cents, which is the Facebook page for 9cents, uh, if you didn't figure that out on your own. And I posted, uh, looks like next week I'll be flying solo on this podcast. Is there anything specific you'd like to hear? So at the very beginning of the show, you heard that little song thing. Well, that was a request from this feed. And I'm going to kind of just run through this um, and uh, do a little bit of uh, Q&A based on these responses. I do have a road rage, which was a request. Actually, a lot of people, a lot of you uh, requested the road rages. I'm really excited you guys dig these things. I mean, I, I'm... <laughs> bit of an insane person so I, I really like yelling it's it's kind of a passion <laughs> it's a passion project screaming and uh, I, I find a lot of things to yell about uh, this one is more of a professional one 
Uh, I hope you guys dig it. I hope you just tune in for it. And I'm going to be releasing it also as a video, in just in case you want to see my ugly mug screaming and spitting. <laughs> I never realized how much I spit when I do my road rage. But I I must have like a, an excess of saliva in my mouth at any given time <laughs> that just keeps flowing. Which is great if you're eating pussy. Because, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's I mean, you, get, you have their witness too. So it's not like it's a one-sided thing. But, you know, it's just, it's, it's, so it's not like sandpaper, is all I'm saying. It's not, you like that, baby? Oh, yeah. And she's just, like, gritting her bottom lip, like, oh, fuck, that hurts so bad. You know, how could she get wet if it hurts so bad? Anyway, anyway, that wouldn't happen with me, because, obviously, I have a lot of saliva. <laughs> so it would be like, how do you like that, baby? Oh, you know what? You don't really need to lick, like, my belly button. That, that doesn't really do it for me. It's, you know, I mean, I never really licked a belly button before. I'm just saying. Uh, anyway, okay, so uh, some of the other things. Uh, road Rage is coming up. You haven't heard about the chickens in a while. Okay, so here's here's one I'm going to talk about. <laughs> really, just for a minute. The chickens are doing great. I did find out <laughs> after talking about not understanding wh where chickens pee from, uh, I found out they have one hole. They pee and they poo and they lay their eggs from the exact same hole, which seems like a super like that's that should be like the default setting why would we have multiple holes to do this type of stuff i mean we don't lay eggs but pee and poo you know i mean why do we have two different ones uh i don't know <laughs> i learned something new by having these chickens all the time it's really crazy um they're crazy i mean they are kooky it's weird because, you know, throughout this winter, it was a really bad winter and we were really super concerned about them being outside in crazy cold weather, like freezing weather. And we we're super concerned about, you know, cold winds that are coming in and hitting them and freezing their water and everything. And just, you know, it's, it's one thing to have a cat or a dog or some fish or something that you can bring inside that primarily lives inside anyway, like a dog or a cat. And they're just you know, you can protect them. You don't have to think about how do I run a power line out to a chicken coop so I can have a, a heater so that my chickens don't freeze to death. It So it forces us to think about having animals in that way, which, you know, if we were living in a ranch or something, I don't think it would be as big of a deal because you would have a large like barn structure or something like that, or you would have other animals or there would be a whole bunch of other chickens that they could collectively, you know, larger coops where they need you know, a lot more um, insulation and, and padding and stuff, but ours is pretty small. I mean, we kind of let our chickens free range uh, during the days when we're home, like all weekend and stuff. So we, you know, they don't need a super big coop just within themselves. I mean, they, it's big enough for four chickens that we have, but uh, it's not really insulated quite that well. So, you know, it forced us to look at <clears throat> livestock in that way because we've been since we got our chickens and we do run a garden uh, and we do have solar energy and I, we do make wine and we do make beer and we try to do things as independently as possible. Um, you know, my father-in-law has a ranch, he raises uh, cows and so when he slaughters them, we buy half of that so we know it's, you know, really good, not chemical, not hormone uh, infused beef. Um, we just try to be healthy because not because we feel like we should, but because it's easier and it's better for us to be healthy and be more independent. Um, and so when we had these chickens, our next step was, oh, well, let's get a turkey and we'll slaughter that for Thanksgiving after we've, you know, fattened it up, um, throughout the entire year, or let's get a goat and let's start making our own cheese, which I'm actually really, really excited for. And sometime in the future, we're going to be doing that. Or the next step is we're going to get honeybees and you know start our own hive so that we can have honey and I can help use the uh the natural pollens in my environment to help with my allergies and stuff um and so we have all these different little projects and because of what we discovered with our chickens it's sort of informed us well the next logical step for us maybe wouldn't be a turkey maybe wouldn't be a, a donkey or I'm not a donkey but a goat but maybe it would be the honeybees um and so we'll, you know, and, and I've years ago, maybe I can't remember how long ago it was when we moved our shed, uh, we found some honeybees. It was very, very few of them, not even what you would consider a quarter of a, a live hive or even a starter hive for that matter. But 
is this big battle with moving that honeybee hive. And we do have tons of honeybees in the summer, but we don't have the benefit of having their, their honey. And that's really, and you know, I can use it for mead. I can use it because we, you know, make our own stuff. I can use it for my beer. It just makes sense to do that as the next step. Um, so we have a little bit of experience of manipulating uh, honeybee hives, and we definitely have the the garden and the flowers for them to feed off of, not to mention everywhere else around us for miles that they would be traveling to pollinate. And it would just be a, I, you know, I'd, I'm not a hippie. I, I don't do stuff like this because it's greater, you know, for the greater good or anything, but it does sort of, I feel like you, you get out of the earth what you put into it, not in a holistic way, but in a literal way. So I put seeds into the ground and I take care of my soil and I, it in turn, you know, produces vegetables for me to consume. Uh, I put in honeybees so that they can go pollinate uh, the areas around me and I can take the honey and it will help me with my allergies and with my cooking and the products that I make. And, uh, you know, there's literal tangible benefits to this stuff so it doesn't have to be this sort of esoteric or hippie new age bullshit it's just a literal extension of what we as human beings really should be i was uh working on my yard for the first time um yesterday actually this year uh mowed it for the first time and next next week i'll probably turn on the sprinklers and everything but as we you know edging it and and we were raking up some areas and stuff and it's I've talked about this in the past and, you know, you do a show for five years or, you know, we're headed toward our fifth year here and you're going to, you're going to stumble across ground you've covered before. So bear with me if you've, you know, tuned into the show the entire time and, and know everything that I'm going to say or that I've said in the past, but there, it, it reminds me of a show with, uh, I can't remember the name right now off the top of my head, but Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, where they were from Ireland and they came out and they sort of participate in the lamb grab and the entire show was based around the idea of of you are nothing without land as a man but in reality as a as a a human being on earth the the only sense of uh, uh contribution to your environment is by working the earth like being a part of that and I know in our in our post-industrial age, that is uh, an absurd notion for a lot of people uh, because you can just go to the grocery store and get your food. You don't actually have to work for it. Um, but it does taste different and it has uh, greater benefits. Uh, there's less toxicity in your food if you're working on it. And there's a sense of satisfaction, of pride that you get when you're working with your own property with your own soil and and you're you're harvesting your own vegetables i mean this is how human beings lived as forever it's just you know in the last 500 years that we've gotten out of this um working your own land mentality and so we think that it's some big foreign thing like why would you are you an old woman why would you work in a garden No, no no this is what men did for all of history, this is how we survived as human beings, by working the land. That's how we got out of the caves and started, like, standing up on our own two feet. Uh, this is a primal connection of what it means to be human. Uh, a connection with our environment in a practical, pragmatic way. And I, I get I get this, such a, this sense of satisfaction doing it. And my neighbor was out mowing his lawn, and as I was edging mine, and we sort of, you know, the corners of our houses met, and we were both coming at the corners at the same time, and this is an older gentleman who just moved in next door, and he's like, well, welcome to summer, time to start working the yard again, and I looked at him, and I was like, I like this, like, I can't, I, I don't know where your head is, that this is a bad thing, this, I feel alive when I'm doing this. I have the sun beating on my skin, sweat is pouring from me, my hands and arms are tired from, because I don't have power or anything, I'm pushing a mower, I, I mean, it's got an engine, it's, I'm not crazy, um, and, you know, holding up this uh, edger, it, you, you get tired and you get worn out, 
and you're sweating and you're filthy and you're dirty and you've got dirt under your nails, but it's a good feeling. Like, how could you think, as an older gentleman who I, I would like to think has lived longer and like lived more of a life than me, not necessarily, you know, just age, but experienced more in life, how could you think that this is a bad thing? Like, this is something that you have to complain about as if we're talking about the weather. It's absurd to me. And I look at him, I'm like, I, I truly enjoy this. And he sort of squints his eyes a little bit. He's like, yeah, it's nice. And just walks off. I'm like, you are a completely different human being than I am. And it just started making me think. I, I have friends who hate working in their yard. I don't get it. My father, uh, well, you know, my, my stepdad, the man who raised me, he hated where he did it all the time and he tried to get us to do it for him because he didn't really want to do it. He didn't really like doing it. But how I just don't understand how you could not like doing it. Yes, it's expensive. It's exhausting. It's time consuming. But it's yours. It's, it's yours. Like, I don't, I can't impress that upon you enough. I don't know. It, you know, if you're living in an apartment, you can have your own gar potted garden. If you have property and you're not currently working it, what is wrong with you? Why don't you want to make that connection with your environment? Why don't you want to reap the very tangible rewards of working that land? I mean, it's insane to me that I can't think of anything with interaction of the environment that's more satanic than manipulating it just like lesser magic with other human beings for the better of not only the the land itself but also for you literally a, a tangible return for you it's really great so that was my weekend it was really nice and then yesterday i had this wonderful experience of going to a party with a, a local friend here um, we don't, my wife and I and my kids, we don't go to parties a lot, um, or barbecues at other people's houses a lot because we have two kids and we don't want our kids just sitting there while we're having a good time and being bored. And because our kids aren't, uh, super, you know, old and responsible yet, um, we don't feel comfortable leaving them alone in the house for extended periods of time. So that really limits the amount of time that we can go out as a family. But this time we went out and uh, there was uh, another girl there that my daughter could play with and there was some other boys there that my son could play with and it was it was awesome. I drank too much, <laughs> but too much whiskey and too much beer. Um, but it was it was a good time. I I really dig hanging out with these people, uh, just sort of salt of the earth types. And here's one thing that I noticed that I, I'm hoping you guys can experience too in some time uh, when you're hanging out. It's something that I absolutely love. It's, it's, <laughs> um, it's just riffing. It's, uh, it's improv. It's seeing and something funny, uh, calling out that thing. And then just, just improving like a comedy set around that. Not a lot of people can do it. Some people try and fail, but last night, man, we were improving the entire night and it was absolutely hilarious. And we were having such a good time. And there's something to be said about people who can just, on the drop of a hat, make you laugh. Just say something funny, or they say something and you take it and spin it. And you just sort of have that back and forth. It's a really great, uh, it's a really great feeling that you can connect with other people in that way. And it doesn't happen very often. I mean, very, very rarely for me. And last night was just fantastic. It was filled with it. So I had a really, really good time. I wanted to thank that gentleman on the air for that. Um... Uh, it was awesome. Let's see, what else do you guys want me to talk about in this episode before I get to that rant? Because the rant's not that long, and we got some time to kill here. Okay, uh, here's here's one thing. So I think this was actually the first one. Perhaps any writings, essays, uh, works you've personally done on satanic philosophy. Um, because I record this show, all of my writings and essays on satanic philosophy are verbal diatribes. I mean, that's quite literally. I, I have four sh four years, and I'm working on my fifth year now, of satanic writings and essays in verbal form. That All you have to do is go to 9centspodcast.com and download. Um, whether you agree with me on a specific satanic topic or my take on it, 
That is my contribution to what I like to call the greater satanic conversation. So you're not going to see an Adam Campbell or a uh, Nine Cents volume printed because I've done this for years and I've, I've provided literally weekly content on satanic philosophy, experience, and opinion for, I'm going on my fifth year. So I just never, I've never felt the need to write any of it down because I go, you know, it's a weekly thing for me. I, I write it down every single week in, in little show notes that is reflected on the website. So you can, you know, you can go to 9centspodcast.com and there's a little Google search bar in the upper right-hand corner. Type in whatever topic you want to hear me rant about and chances are I've already covered it uh, a lot. And if it's not just me, then it's me and my contributors who have talked about it. So these are the types of uh, essays that I've already done. I'm not going to waste my time. I'm not a writer per se. I've written children's book. I've uh, I've written a lot of short stories that have never seen the light of day. I've written um, some other children's books that have yet to be uh, released. So I don't think it's it's just not something that's that's in my radar is writing a another satanic essay collection. I think there's enough of them out there. I just helped. Uh, a really wonderful friend and a contributor uh, finished theirs, and that's going to be announced shortly, I'm sure. Um, so I, I just don't have the desire to put it together. But it's not because I haven't created that content. It exists, and it's here in this form, the podcast form. Uh, so I do truly hope you guys, if you have the opportunity and the will, go check what I've already done and what the other contributors have done, because it is... It is quite valuable and uh, entertaining at the same time. You know, one thing I find when I look at uh, collections of essays, um, there's a lot, I mean, there's there's a handful of them, but there, it's, there's a lot of them, of satanic, specifically satanic essays. Um, you know, you're, you're not getting a sense of the individual behind it uh, unless they're really good at writing. Uh, a lot of the times in my experience of consuming this material, you're not getting their real voice in their writing. You're just getting the topic or the discussion or the, you know, the delivery is not quite there. And that's one of the reasons why I really appreciate what we're doing here, because you do get a lot of the personality. And in fact, you may get more of the personality than the substance. Uh, you know, it's, it's a toss up depending on the week <laughs> that you're tuning in, but you're getting a sense of who we are as Satanists and how we experience it through our delivery and through our uh, uh, candor, really, the discussion itself. And I would argue that that's more valuable than a collection of written word. I mean, that's just my opinion because that's how I do it, so obviously I'm biased about it, but I, th I do genuinely think it's it's more valuable. When you just have the written word on a page, you are reading it, uh, you are adding your own inflection, you are adding your own experience, your own, uh, your own take on what you want it to sound like, what you think these people are really delivering it, uh, how they're delivering it. It's all your interpretation. You can't get that from what we're doing here with Nine Cents, because we're giving you 100% our opinion, our inflection, how we experience it, how we intend it to be delivered, it's all there. You're just literally consuming it. So I think the written word, it's its great. There's definitely a place for it. I think it's 100% valuable to our collective uh, satanic experience. It's just not for me. So that's why you haven't seen it. And that's why I wouldn't ever read anything on air because I would just, I would pick up the satanic Bible, find a point that I don't think has been explored and just riff on it. And that's kind of what I do. You know, a lot of these uh, Nine Cents podcasts, I do have show notes. And the show notes are comprised of the topics that we're going to be discussing, one-liners, like, you know, the name of the topic. And maybe sometimes I'll throw in a reference website or something. Uh, but I don't write out the speeches that I'm delivering and the contributors they don't write out the speeches that they're responding with, except for in their segments, um, for some of them. Uh, they're just points. And what's great about Nine Cents and what's great about the way that we deliver our verbal essays is that it's alive and it fluctuates depending, and, and it plays off of each other's opinions. You don't get that 
in any other medium. So I, it, I just, again, I'm going to double down here and just say it's, it's much more valuable than any collection of written essays. Um, let's see. So a lot of you, I'm surprised that so many of you like my ranting or at least <laughs> claim to like the ranting. Um, I didn't really ever think that would be tolerated to be quite honest. Um, okay. So here's the request for a movie review of horns or Maleficent. I have spoken briefly to Maleficent in the past. I'm not going to do that again, but I will speak to horns. So give me a second and I'm going to touch on that. Thank you for suggesting that. Um, here's one that I really do want to touch on. And it was a joke when it was mentioned, but it is something that hits home. So I'm going to deliver this uh, rant on the fly and then we'll get to a movie review. And I'm actually going to package the movie review around uh, Creature Feature. So uh, before I do that, let me let me do this here. We have a lot of contributors here at Nine Cents. Uh, Down to the Crossroads with Aaron, uh, I Dream of Jesse with Jesse, um, Milton Rossism with a Den, Agent Provocateur with Darren, uh, Unorthodoxy with Witch Zaftig, um, The Satanic Tradition with uh, Reverend Merciless, uh, Between the Horns with Warlock Mandrake, and you know we've had reputable Satanists. Uh, artists, uh, sometimes not even Satanists, but authors, uh, art, uh, uh, musicians come on this show. Um, but I have to hand it to the contributors. They get nothing out of this. They could very easily, on their own, write a collection of essays, put it in a volume, and publish it and have it sell. And sell well. But instead, they contribute to Nine Cents. I, I can't thank them enough. I absolutely adore everything that they do. And I, what I love about this is, you know, every once in a while, I feel like I've mailed in a performance with Nine Cents. I've never felt that way with the contributors. Even when they have expressed to me that, you know, I'm sorry, I feel like I mailed in this, this week's episode. It's still fantastic content. I mean, it's not like... It's not like we are showered with satanic opinion in this world. There is very few of it. Very few. And the majority of the, the satanic content that you're going to hear outside of what Nine Cents is, is from historical authors that weren't even overt Satanists. It was just de facto satanic content. We're in an era where you get actual Satanists delivering actual satanic thought at the same time that you're able to consume it. That is unfucking believable We are at year 50 with the Church of Satan, at the birth of what we understand Satanism to be. And we have active contributors to that greater satanic conversation. For all of you listening, for nothing, for literally nothing. You don't have to pay the price of a, a, a book to get it. All you have to do is tune in. That's it. And for those of you who have done that wonderful thing that we ask every week of giving us a rating or a review or testimonial on the website, thank you for that. Because that's all we ask in return. These contributors spend weeks working out what they're going and researching what they're going to talk to, uh, speak to, uh, th their segments that they're going to deliver on this show. They spend weeks on this stuff, writing it, rewriting it, collecting the songs, thinking about how the songs are going to work together, uh, researching the artists, uh, the particular news topic that they're going to be going over, thinking about how it will reflect not only the greater satanic conversation, but how it's going to reflect upon them after they've given it, how it's going to influence those hearing it. I mean, this is lesser magic in action. It's much more than just a verbal essay. They're thinking, what is my mark going to be in the future, my legacy of satanic wit and wisdom based on what I'm putting here? Now, this may sound like I'm, I'm putting too much weight on what they do. I genuinely don't think I am. I think they are doing something greater 
than any, I, I would argue that many of the people who have come before, whether it's through other podcasts, other radio shows, uh, other written collections, what the, my contributors are doing, and I, I know how that sounds, my contributors, I just means the contributors to Nine Cents are doing, is so much more valuable because it is alive, because it is delivered by them with their sense of authority. I mean, it's just fantastic. So let me uh, say to those contributors, I truly love what you do. I absolutely appreciate you and thank you very much. And if you, the listeners, feel the same way, I charge you, tell them, reach out to them, go to their Facebook pages or their profiles, go to their websites and their blogs, and you let them know that you appreciate what they're doing. You can do it through a rating or a review of Nine Cents. You can do it through a testimonial on the website. You can call in to the phone number. Just go to the website and click on contact. There's a lot of different ways that you can reach out to the contributors and let them know the fantastic job and how you feel about it. Whether you like it or not, let them know and we will continue doing it if you do. So let's do a little creature feature. I'm going to talk about horns and then we're going to close this thing out with a little between the horns with Warlock Mandrake. See you on the other side. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the creature feature. <laughs> Alright, so Horns, it's on Netflix right now. Uh, you can uh, tune in and watch it at, at your uh, pleasure. It's a 2013 American dark fantasy comedy thriller film directed by Andre Aja, loosely based on Joe Hill's novel of the same name. And I'm getting this from Wikipedia. Daniel Radcliffe's stars is a man who is accused of raping and murdering his girlfriend and uses his newly discovered paranormal abilities to uncover the real killer. Uh, okay, so... I watched this film, I was curious about what type of an actor Radcliffe was. I, I did watch uh, a horror movie that he was in, sort of a period piece horror movie that the name escapes me right now. And that was pretty good. Uh, Horns, however, I, I never thought, it just never interested me because I didn't know anything about it. I, I don't understand the idea of, you know, transforming with horns and stuff like that. So I watched it, and if you're going to watch it, you know, I, I'm going to spoil some stuff here, but... I think you kind of need to know this going into it. It's not a movie that I would watch again. I enjoyed it for what it was, though I think some of it's a little too over the top and a little too on the nose. I don't, you know, in the in the description where they said dark fantasy comedy thriller, I didn't really find it as very comedic in any real way. Um, there may have been a couple moments that, you know, were like, huh, but I don't recall them right now. So, you know, that's how good they were. Um, so let's see, it sets up where Radcliffe's character is accused of raping and murdering his girlfriend and you get a bunch of back, uh, sort of flashbacks of his memory of this girl and their history together. They're sort of high school sweethearts and stuff. And it very much uncovers as if it were, uh, uh, like a, a thriller where, He's slowly realizing that he's not, he doesn't even know if he's really the killer or not. Like he feels like he, he could have blocked it out. And because everyone around him is accusing him of it, he's just starting to become unsure of himself. But then the more he discovers about the events of the night that she died, the more he starts to have this physical manifestation of change. He starts to have horns growing. And, and the more that he starts to physically change, other people's reaction to him changes. So those that notice these physical abnormalities start behaving uh, in these uh, very obscure ways. They're being uh, overly honest and revealing about their inner secrets and fears and desires and wants and needs. And they start to, uh, upon his uh, acceptance, like, you know, they'll ask him, can I do this? Or should I do this? Or he just tells them, go do this. And they just do it. They just need his, his okay. And they will go do whatever horrible act it is. And he starts to turn into 
this sort of monster, this demon, this devil throughout it, uncovering, you know, the truth about this murder. So I won't, I won't spoil it, whether it's him that murdered her or whether it's someone else or how it happens. But just to say the entire movie is based around the premise of his lack of security of himself leads to these physical manifestations that they're in, that then influence others around them that are also uh, wicked and cruel and insecure. And it's a little bit of a revenge flick. It's a little bit of a just, uh, you know, um, uh, oh, what's the word I want to use? Um, uh, Lex Talionis. It's a little bit of um, fantastical uh, absurdity in some parts and and though you know the, the special effects were done really well i just don't like the tone that they took and so i don't know you know i, I would say here's my recommendation if you have a, a couple hours to kill you know an, a little over an hour to kill and you can get past harry potter <laughs> and his admittedly less than amazing performance because i just don't think he's a really great actor personally um if you can get past that then you should check it out because i do think it's an interesting premise though i think it was delivered in a bit of a hokey way maybe that was intentional maybe that's the dark comedy part they're talking about i don't know uh you'll never watch it again so watch it once so you can get the story there are some interesting discussions to have and this is why i like watching movies with other people uh you can have you know, we just watched um, Lucy, and I spoke briefly about this last week, I think. There's some really wonderful little tidbits of thought that they don't expound on. That if you're watching it with someone, you can talk to them about. And you can have a, a broader discussion, which makes the movie a little bit more enjoyable than it would be otherwise. Because there's not a lot of substance in the film itself. There's just these little nuggets that you can pick out of. And I do really like the idea of, uh, you know, lesser magic being a manifestation physically within you to then allow other people to do what they normally would want to do anyway. They just need, they need someone to tell them it's okay. There's a bigger, larger, darker reason. I don't want to go into it because I don't really want to spoil it for anyone else. But it is, you know, it, it is kind of nice to talk about it. Like, and it makes it a better movie because of that dialogue, because of that back and forth that you can have with other people. So anyway, Horns, uh, it's out on Netflix. Check it out if you like. Not bad. Not great. Check it out. All right, let's do a little Adam's Road Rage and then uh, close it out with Between the Horns. So I've been doing a lot of uh, talent searching and uh, filming for this commercial. I don't know why I said it like that. Talent search. Uh, I've been doing a lot of filming lately for a bunch of projects at work. And, uh, I've, you know, I've been sort of thrust into this producer-director role uh, for all these, uh, you know, local commercials that I'm handling through my agency. And <laughs> it sounds a lot more glamorous than it actually is, as you're about to hear. <clears throat> So part of the complaint that I'm having is that we have a specific line that needs to be delivered in a specific way in order to maintain the energy that this particular video requires. So all that being said, I want my talent that I'm hiring to behave in the way that I'm paying them to that's required by the script that I'm filming to. And you wouldn't think, because these people are professionals, right, that it would be an issue. <laughs> but it's an issue. I've complained about this in the past on the, on the podcast. I don't know. Ad nauseum, perhaps. It's, it's, it's a total nightmare. There's absolutely no such thing as a professional in any stretch of the word. So what I do have is a bunch of young, beautiful women, or middle-aged women, or middle-aged men, or older men, depending on the specific scene that we're shooting. And I'm trying to explain the spirit of the piece, I'm trying to explain uh, the energy required, and they all look at me like I'm a fucking bug, and here's what I don't fucking understand. Why can't you just take fucking direction? I'm paying you 
to take my direction. I speak relatively clearly when I speak. I, you can understand what I'm saying. You speak English. I speak English. I say, I want this to be... I'm trying to maintain a little anonymity of the piece, so I'm not giving insane specifics. But um, I say, uh, you know, say it with this amount of energy and make the emphasis on this portion of the phrase, blah, 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 blah. And then... <laughs> I, th- I think I'm cursed. I think that's what it comes down to. Because no matter what I ask them to do, they fucking don't do it! They completely ignore the direction that I gave them, the inflection that I performed for them, and they just don't fucking do it! Or they're incapable of doing it. Either way, I can't fucking use them. They're wasting my money and they're wasting my time. Now, you may say as a listener to this rant... That, well, I should do a casting call and pre-approve it. Well, you're absolutely right. I should do a motherfucking casting call, but I can't because the client doesn't give us the heads up we need. We have days to shoot this thing, and I don't have the time, because I do every goddamn other thing in my agency, to schedule a talent call and then run through rehearsals. And this is just a fucking phrase! It's really three fucking words that they have to say, How hard is that?! So, I'm sitting here arguing with this fucking... I'm telling this girl, okay, I need you to hold the bags higher, about an inch, a little bit higher. I'm looking through the camera so that I'm seeing what we're going to end up get. The photographer, the videographer, is getting a little bit frustrated because he doesn't really know the vision that I want. I, I have specific framing that I'm demanding. The talent doesn't really understand. She's getting tired because she's a little fucking 16-year-old... I realize that she's probably like 20. 20 year old, weak ass bitch that seriously, you can't hold up empty fucking bags? Empty shopping bags. There's like seven of them holding up, arms straight out in front of you. You can't do that. That's so fucking hard. So she's getting all irritated and all antsy. She's not delivering the lines as I'm telling her to deliver the lines. I'm arguing with her the entire fucking time. And then when I'm finished, and then when I'm finished, because. Every single underage kid does this, or anyone who's unfamiliar, maybe this is her first set she's been on, brings her parent along. And it's almost always the mother that comes along on these shoots. And the mother looks at me with, and she's one of those fucking pretentious, I'm, I'm a MILF, but she's really not a MILF, but she thinks she's a MILF, and so she acts like she's a MILF. Like a self-entitled MILF, like everyone wants to fuck her, or should want to fuck her, but she would never, never step outside the bounds of marriage in order to fuck them. She just wants that. She wants that need in others, in her. But I see through shit like that, and I know she's not fucking attractive, and I know I don't want to fuck her, and I know that this snotty-ass attitude, that's exactly where it's coming from. So, she tells me, how about you tell me how you want my daughter to do it? Like, with fucking attitude. I'm like, you You realize I'm not the talent. You realize I'm paying your daughter, who is supposed to be a professional, to deliver a line in a specific way. You realize that I've been saying it over and over and over again. No, don't use the emphasis on this part of the phrase. Use it on this part. And then I say it. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, blah. And I say it over and over again. She's like, well, you just had her do the same thing over and over again. It sounded the same to me. I'm like, well, that's why you don't fucking do it to it. That's why I'm doing it. Because you're not a fucking professional. Because you can't fucking recognize the difference between a take versus a good take and a bad take. You have no fucking idea. That motherfucker's driving by me, watching me scream and spit on my phone. I, it's just fucking infuriating. I'm not here to excuse your frustration. You're here to please me. That's the whole fucking point! That's our role! And what is this with you fucking actresses and actors? So afraid of a set that you have to bring your ratty, snotty-ass fucking parents along. Like they're gonna add something to it. They're gonna make you feel better. No! They just pissed us professionals off! That's all of you! So, out of the seven hours of filming with the five different, well, actually there was like seven different uh, talents that we had there, talent using the word loosely, we maybe have 15 minutes 
that are usable. And I'm saying maybe seriously. And this is my fucking life. This is the life I fucking chose. Hey, let me produce and direct these things because I'm capable. And eh, let's get the worst talent in the world to fucking do it. I mean, I'm learning my lesson. I'm learning my lesson. It's just so goddamn frustrating. And what's the worst thing that could happen that you have to bring your snotty, ratty-ass fucking mom along? It's going to be like a Gang Brothers video? Like, I'm going to try to coerce you into sex? I work in a fucking reputable agency! We got you through a reputable talent agency. It's not a fucking porno set. It's a, a working office building. How can you not recognize this? Stupid, stupid people. Satanism demands study, not worship. And I'm looking for a few outstanding study partners. So put on your thinking horns with me, Warlock M.A. Mandrake. It's time to read Between the Horns. The title of this number is Nose Bubbles and Rado Echoes. As most of you know, the cheerful month of April ends with Walpurgisnacht, that old holiday associated with witches and warlocks. It is also, of course, the day Anton Zander LaVey founded the Church of Satan in 1966. But at the opposite end of the month is another, more irreverent holiday, April Fool's Day. In observance of April Fool's Day, I am talking about rare novelties from my personal collection. These are particularly interesting because they are featured prominently in LeVay's work. LeVay found great wisdom where others have found mere amusement, little of interest, or, in many cases, nothing at all. This is the true occult. One especially overlooked area of this realm of hidden meaning is that of the prank. Often perpetrated against innocent friends and acquaintances, pranks are treated differently within Satanism. As LeVay said more than once, it is far more fulfilling to employ unpleasant surprises toward the balancing of egos and as a form of humorous revenge. He also discussed more than one specific gag, including a couple from the old Johnson, Smith & Co. catalog, which is featured in the Church of Satan's recommended reading list. LeVay called it his Necronomicon. When I was a little boy, I spent hours studying and coveting novelties from the modern incarnation of that same catalog, which has been renamed Things You Never Knew Existed. I also collected classic joke items from an old, now-defunct toy store in my hometown of Park Slope, Brooklyn. Could it be that it wasn't horror films, but rather Mexican jumping beans that led me into Satanism? But now, without further ado, I present our first of two novelties. On the dedication page of the Devil's Notebook, LeVay mentions the inventors of the Sneezo-Bubble. In Satan Speaks, he dedicates an entire essay to the artful use of a rubber nose-bubble. I have always deeply enjoyed that essay, and it has seemed to me that its subject is none other than that enigmatic Sneezo-Bubble. I had the good fortune of finding this incredibly rare gag on eBay. It is a set of four bubbles, and they appear to be made of blown glass. Perhaps this is an earlier version of LaVey's nose bubble, or just rubber hardened over three quarters of a century. I've photographed the Sneezo bubble, as well as our second novelty in this episode, and you can see these images at betweenthehorns.com. Opening the Sneezo bubble's magnificently decorated box, one reveals the faux mucus globules and, nestled beneath them, a pink instruction sheet. The directions read as follows. First, pretend having a bad cold. Make a sad face, popularly called a sourpuss. Second, pull out your hanky and make sure to have a clean one with you. You know how embarrassing it is to hold an old dirty rag to your face. Hide the sneezo bubble in your hanky. Third, let out a loud, explosive sneeze with a high-pitched scream in it. Wipe your sneezer and put the sneezo bubble in one of your nostrils. Fourth, uncover your face and have it real sour and sick-looking. 
Now watch out. Be sure to have strong chairs around and the table cleared of dishes. Your friends will burst out in hilarious rocking laughter. One of them will point to your bubble. Fifth, keep your sour puss. Use your hanky again and while doing so, maneuver the sneezo bubble into the other nostril. Now try to look dumb and listen to the roar of laughter. Now you know how to use this magical device. LaVey's own techniques involved both a bubble and a long string of fake snot. Actually, when I was a little boy, I had a string of fake snot. Yet another sign that I was born a Satanist. Where have these legendary bubbles been? They must have been used. What old schnozzes have these delicate baubles graced in eras past? Though crystal clear, these replicas of inflated snot are among the most mysterious relics in all Americana. Another sacred object I've managed to acquire is the Rado Echo voice tester, which LeVay discussed in the documentary Speak of the Devil. This cruel device conceals a particularly nasty surprise. To learn more about it, see the film. It is chock full of wisdom, including an entire segment about practical jokes. That's where you'll find an anecdote about this wicked little item. I would tell you more, but that would ruin the surprise. The box is made of cardboard, and the old-fashioned speaker is made of cloth. Near the bottom is a wooden button. Big, bold text says, Hear your voice come back to you. The instructions read, First, say hello into the echo speaker above. Then quickly press the button all the way in. Again, if you want to know how it works, see Speak of the Devil. You won't be sorry. Well, since I'm keeping a secret, that does it for another episode of Between the Horns. Enjoy an impish April Fool's Day, you mischievous listeners. And remember, it's funnier when they deserve it. Until next time, this is Warlock M.A. Mandrake wishing you a wicked Walpurgis knocked. Hail Satan. All right, that's going to do it for yet another show, everyone. I hope you enjoyed it. And we would love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let us know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. You can visit the Satanet Facebook, Google+, Twitter, or MySpace page for 9 cents and get updated on weekly topics. Download the show Mondays via the RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. We're also on Last FM, Stitcher, and YouTube, so look for us there. You can subscribe to 9 cents via iTunes by searching 9 cents, and don't forget to leave leave a rating and or comment. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. And remember, the only way we're going to continue doing this is if you share it. Tell a friend, tell your mother, tell your father, tell your sister. Tell Randy Gonzalez, that TYT reference there. Share nine cents. You're going to love it. Help spread the word. Once again, thank you for joining me. As always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell. And until next week, hail Satan.